This is the Gospel City Church podcast. Our hope is that this message is helpful, encouraging, and even life-changing as you grow to know the person and work of Jesus. Enjoy this message today. Um, so the passage today is actually a very, very famous passage. And I was thinking, like, you know, this is my first preaching, and why did I choose this passage? Like, this is so well-known passage. And, and like some of us probably be able to memorize it and recite it, even, even if I ask like some, of them, uh, some people here, you'll be able to do that. And, and I was thinking about it. And then, you know, grace, like, did you see the energy? Like, the children's preaching is the best part of the service uh, for me, <laughs> especially in this season. And, you know, thinking about that, like, I was thinking, oh, maybe some of the children actually, actually will be able to like, recite it. Like if I ask, John 3, 16, and they'll be able to, for God so love the world. So I was thinking, oh, this is a this is very famous passage among um, Christians. And by the way, but even if you don't know this passage, it's okay. I, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> but like whatever stage you're in, I think the problem for us is not really that this message is too complicated for us to understand, but rather the problem is that um, it does not mean any like it does not mean much anymore for us. So it's not the complicated message. It's a very simple message. What does it say? It says, God gave his son to us that whoever believes may have eternal life. So believe in him. It is not the complicated message, but the problem for us that very often it feels like it's, it's not relevant to us. It's not relevant to our life today. And especially when we are going through when we are dealing like many things in our lives. And especially when the whole world is suffering and struggling with the virus. Like when the financial struggles or uncertainty of our lives is right there. It is like the verse like today um, feels like it's too abstract and it is not really relevant. The life that we are living today, like right here. And why is that? Like, why is it like that? So the problem is not really the lack of information, but it is our heart that is not able to respond to this information in the right way, with the right heart. The passage today, it is a very famous passage, um, but if you read it carefully, it's actually connected to this story in, in John chapter 3. It is the story of Nicodemus. Um, and if I share this um, story a little bit, so there was a man uh, whose name was Nicodemus. Um, he was from fairly like, good social status, and he studied and knew the scripture very well. And then he was also a leader of his community. But he was a nice guy, and he was a very um, respected guy from his, from his family and from his community. 
And he probably had a similar problem with us. Like he had a quite good knowledge about the Bible, yet he felt there was something that was missing. And then that's why one day, like actually one night, he visited Jesus. And because he, in his eyes, like all the miracles uh, and all the things that Jesus was doing, he felt, oh, like this guy, Jesus, is probably something to do with God. So he came to Jesus one night and then started conversation. And he, Nicodemus just said, like, oh, I think you're from God. But then the topic of this conversation quickly turned to very interesting topic about eternal life. Because it goes something like this. Like, oh, teacher, like Nicodemus says, oh, it seems like you have something to do with God. It seems like you're from God. And then Jesus told Nicodemus, like, you need to be born again. What? <laughs> it was a very quick uh, change of topic, but Jesus said, like, you need to be born again. So Nicodemus says, what? And then Jesus says again, like, the problem is that you need the new life in order to find what you're looking for right now. Like, what? Like, but how? Like Nicodemus, like continues. And like, so how can someone have a new life? And Jesus' answer to this question is actually in verse 14. Um, we didn't read this passage, but if you have the Bible, I think you can read it. Verse 14, like Jesus, when Nicodemus asked, like, so how can a man have it, like this life? And Jesus answers like this. And as Moses lifted up, the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So the answer of Jesus was basically this. I need to die on the cross for you to have this life. And our passage today, John 3, 16 to 18, is the father um, commentary and explanation on this answer of Jesus. What is this? It's the quest, quest and also the mission that Jesus is sent for. You know, what Jesus did um, was mission. Like everything that happened was not coincidence, but planned and executed. Like he was sent with clear motivation, clear purpose, and that brought a clear result that God intended. And when Jesus said, I need to die, I need to be lifted up, he was talking about the climax of that mission um, that Jesus was sent for. So that is the context of the passage today, and, and I think there are at least three things that we can learn uh, about his mission, the mission of Jesus, the life that he lived, and the death he died on the cross. And in these three, um, today I want us to bring it to our heart and just think about it and ponder on it. And these three are this. First, number one is the motivation, like why God gave and sent Jesus to the world. And number two is the purpose of God. Like for what God gave 
um, Christ um, to the world. And number three is the result. So what happened with this? What happened um, with the mission of Jesus? So let's go into um, this first point. Like, we would like to begin with the first question. Like, what was God's motivation for giving his son and sending him to like, humanity? Like I said, it's not a complicated message. It's a very simple message. Like, it was because God loved the world. That was the motivation of the life of Jesus, him being sent, and God giving his son to the world. God loves the world. And, you know, the idea of God loves the world or God loves people, it was actually a very shocking message back then, I think. You know, for ancient people, uh, God was the more, more of the object of like, reverence and fear. And then God was someone you have to like, like pay like, something so that you may be well. And God was someone who you should just like, fear and, and obey so that you may be okay. Um, and, and also like for Jews, like someone like Nicodemus, who knew the scripture, who had the Old Testament, like he, he knew that God loves um, his people who was Israel. But, but they never expected to hear that God loves the whole world, including these bad people who is not Israel. Um, so back then, I think the message that God loves the world was quite a shocking message. Like, it was uh, some, something like outside of box. But however, like for us, like who are living in the post-Christian um, world, God loves you became so cliche. You know, like go to your friend and like say, hey, hey, God loves you. Um, like usually the response is not something like, oh, really? Like, God loves me? Oh my goodness, that is amazing news. No, that is not the response that we usually like, get. Um, no, the, the response we usually get is something like this. What? what? Like, so what? Like, what? It, it... And, and sometimes um, the resp another response that we get is like that, something like this. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course, I know God loves world. Yeah, of course, he loves. This is something very, like, taken granted for. So the question is, does God really love the world? And if someone asks you, like, like, how do you know that God loves the world? What, what is our answer? And, and our answer is this. God gave his one and only son to us. And because of this, like we know that God loves us. Um, I, I want to explain about it more. Like verse 17, God gave his only son. 
And I think some other translation like NIV says he's one and only son. And giving his only son is the ultimate act and ultimate expression of God's love. It is because his only son is the most precious gift that God can give humanity, like from God's point of view. Like what does it mean that Christ is his only son? Like it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that God has a daughter and, and a son or multiple sons and, and then he gave his only son. No, it's, it's not like that. Like son, son here is not a generic term that as we use, but it is a very specific term that indicates a person of Christ, who Christ is, and his relationship um, with God. Christ is a unique person, like irreplaceable, like who was in loving relationship with God from eternity to eternity. And then it means that Christ, he is the only one of his kind. He is unique one. He is the only one. You know, you can, you can replace your car like with another but the same kind of car. Or you can replace your laptop like with another but exactly uh, the same model that you have. But however, you know there are things that you cannot really replace because only one kind exists in the world. And because you know that it is very unique, and you know that it is not replaceable. And then for God, for God, like Christ was the person that cannot be replaced with anything else. And the loving relationship that he has with Christ was only kind of relationship that he had. So from God's point of view, there's nothing more precious than this loving relationship. And when scripture testifies that God gave his one and only son, like it means that God gave all his heart. It means that God gave all his love. It means that God gave his everything to the world. That is the meaning of God gave his only son the world. Christ is the most precious gift that he can give to the world. But not only that, not only the Christ is the most precious gift that God, from God's point of view, he was the most necessary gift that we need from God, like from our point of view. You know, we ask God for many things. God, I'm hungry. I need food. <laughs> God, um, I need to be comforted. God, I am struggling. I, I, I want you to comfort me. Or God, like, I need a MacBook. Can you buy me a MacBook? <laughs> like, you know, we ask many things uh, to God and, and by His grace, you know, sometimes He doesn't provide for us, but most times He provides what we need because He's good God and He's gracious to God. Um, but let's say you could ask only one thing from God. Like, what would you ask? 
Or no, actually, the question is, what do we need to ask? If, if we can ask only one thing from God, I think we need to ask Him the most important thing and most necessary thing um, in our lives. You know, um, a few weeks ago, um, Pastor Joel and Ben and I um, had a very special moment um, as, as we are um, visiting this potential new church space. Um, you know, Pastor Joel is looking for a church space. Um, so, you know, we visited this um, new potential church space and, and we, we met the owner of the space and he was actually a committed Christian. And, and as we are talking with him, like we found out that um, he had a stage four um, pancreatic cancer. And then if you know anything about um, this cancer, it is very aggressive. And if it's stage four, um, it is really difficult to uh, get through it, as it, it is um, very aggressive cancer. And, you know, he was rich. You know, had, he had this building, and he had a good family, and, you know, he retired from a good job. But what could we ask for him when we pray for him? It was the healing. Because that was one thing that he really needed at this moment. Like, so when we pray for him, like we pray, like we pray for like healing for him because that is one thing that is really he needed. And, you know, when you are sick and go to see a doctor, like what is the one thing that you must ask from the doctor? It is the cure. Like because, because it is like necessary for you to leave. But then question that we need to ask for ourselves is this, like what is that one necessary thing that we need to ask God? Like if you can ask just one thing what is that one thing? Even if you have all other good things, if you don't have this one necessary thing, like everything else become like meaningless. The greatest problem for humanity is the sin and the ultimate destruction that comes from the sin. And if we, need, if we can ask just one thing from God, I think it is something related to that sin, the deepest problem that humanity has. So, you know, when we finished, so we pray for him. We pray for this guy, the, the owner. We pray for the healing. And when we finished praying for this man, like, like we all had tears in our eyes. Like because... It was so clear the suffering that he was going through. Um, it was difficult. And we saw that how much he needs the miraculous healing from God. So we, we all had our tears in our heart after um, 
in our eyes after we finish the prayer. Um, but at the same time, everyone there, Pastor Joel, Ben, and I, and, in, and he also, we all knew that he already had the most important and necessary thing in his life because he had Christ. So it was difficult, but at the same time, we all knew that he already has that gift from God. So the message is simple. God loves the world. And he gave the most precious one that he has. And he gave what, he gave what we need the most for us to leave. So if someone asks you, if someone asks you, like your friend or your family, if someone asks you, how do you know that God loves the world? And if someone says, like, see, like, what's going on in this world right now? Like, all the pains, all the suffering. See, the viruses. Like, how do you know that God loves the world? And I pray for myself and for us that we may answer in full confidence that we know that God loves the world. We know that God loves us because he has given us his one and only son, the most precious one to God and the most necessary one to humanity. So I pray that we may answer in full confidence that he is what we need in, the, in our lives. And so while the love was clear and the greatest motivation of God, what was the purpose of this mission that Jesus took? And I think often this is the point that many of us getting started, start getting disappointed or angry, like because when we don't have clear understanding on God's purpose, we, it's easy for us to get angry and to get disappointed against him. Um, you know, parents, have you seen your children um, gets angry at you because they don't give you candy? <laughs> like, you know, because children, they think that, oh, if you love someone, like, you need to give a candy. And for them, that's how their logic works. Like, the so kids are saying, like, oh, how can you not give me candy if you love me? Like, that's how, and they get angry and they get disappointed to their parents. Um, so even when someone is so sure that God loves, and because of the false expectation on God's purpose, or because they don't know like, what they really need, like, we, need, we, we, we get dis disappointed. We get sometimes angry at God. But then the question here today, like what is the purpose of Jesus' mission that is motivated by greatest love of God? That God's purpose of giving his son is for us to have eternal life. He wants you to have eternal life. 
And that was the clear purpose that is, um, that this scripture testifies. You know, the question is, what is eternal life? What is eternal life? Um, I think we can start answering this question like from many perspectives, but I want us to start um, with how like Nicodemus would understand this term when Jesus said like about eternal life. You know, um, like I mentioned earlier, Nicodemus um, was religious man like who was faithful. He was faithful Jew. Um, he was faithful to the teaching of the Old Testament. He was faithful to the teaching of Moses and its traditions. And for the faithful Jew um, and for Nicodemus, the concept of eternal life was basically life of the age to come. You know, they had a hope like one day that God will come and God will save and God will build this everlasting kingdom that will be ruled by Messiah. Um, this one uh, is coming from the line of King David. And you know, also he was Pharisee. That means that he believed like some sort of resurrection. So he probably had idea that, oh, even if he died, like, like one day when this new kingdom starts, like he will live again and he will live forever. Uh, that was the belief of Pharisees. And so as faithful Jew, his understanding of eternal life was this, like it was the life in the new kingdom um, that was something granted, like something taken, taken for granted for him because he is Jew and he will live this eternal life one day in the future, like when this kingdom begins. But however, um, when they had this conversation, like Jesus, Jesus shook Nicodemus' belief from, from deepest, from the ground. Like Jesus says, oh, this is not something granted for you. Like, unless you're born again and have this life here and now, like you're not part of that kingdom that you're looking for. So that was the Jesus answer for um, Nicodemus. So he was shaking what Nicodemus believed. And actually, um, Jesus continued to say, actually, you know what? I, I came to give this eternal life to you. And I will accomplish uh, my mission. Uh, so what Jesus was telling was this. Because what Nicodemus believed was that eternal life, yes, is something granted for me one day in the future when this um, kingdom begins. But what Jesus says is that eternal life is given to you, like not one day in the future, but when you believe in me. So if you believe in me today, here and now, you will receive this eternal life. Like, how can, how can he say that? Like, how can Jesus say that? Like, he says this, like, because eternal life is not just about this one day in the future, everlasting heaven. No, but 
the eternal life is not just about that, but eternal life is about the quality that you have, the quality of life that you receive. And this eternal life is like qualitatively is dis distinguished from, from the life of this world, the life that is under the sin and bondage. And what kind of quality is it? It is a whole and lasting life. It is the life that we, you really, we really know God from our hearts. It is the life that you truly love God. Like not just with the spoken words, but with all our hearts and actions. And it is the life that we willingly to obey Him not just pretending when we are not really like wanting to. And this is why like John 17, 3 says, like this is eternal life, that they know you, the, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And this is the life where we're worshiping God and loving Him and doing His will becomes the deepest joy of our lives. And it is the life that your deepest thirst is satisfied with God. And John, that's why John, like 7, another part of John says, like, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, like, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Eternal life, this is the life that our dead inner being is regenerated by the Spirit of God and we become alive to God. We are not dead anymore to God, but we become alive. And everything God says actually speaks to our heart. So that is the quality of the eternal life that we are looking into. And so again, these qualities are not just for one day in the future in heaven. But God gives this his life to those who are in Christ, to, the, to those who believe in his name today, here and now. It is not just a ticket that you receive when you get saved and then, and then hold it uh, until you die. And then when you go to heaven, you give the, this ticket and then you live eternal life. No, that is not the ticket. Um, but believers in Christ, um, this is eternal life is given for us, for today. And Christ is lifted up on the cross so that you may be able to continue to live out this life here um, on the earth, the life that we live in here. So my prayer for us and for Gospel City is that let us live this eternal life today. And I pray that I will continue to ask these qualities from God. And then and our gracious Father will give it to us. And lastly, I want to briefly mention about 
the result. So we're talking, we're talking about um, the mission of Jesus, his life, his death, him lifted up on the cross. Um, so we talked about motivation and the purpose. But what is the end result of the mission of Jesus? Result is this. Whole humanity is invited to receive this gift. Not just Jews like Nicodemus, but also Gentiles like you and I. <laughs> not just rich, but the poor. Like not just who have good education. Like not just good, not just those who are living fairly good and nice life. And regardless of where you're coming from, this invitation to accept the most precious and most necessary gift from God is open. That means the salvation became available to all who believes in the name of Christ. Like whoever believes in his name, whoever accepts the Christ, like the most precious gift and the most necessary gift from God, they will not be lost, they will not perish, and they will receive the life that is everlasting, and they will be saved. So this, this is the, the result of the mission of Jesus. You know, living in the world of internet, I think we all have an access to this information. You know, as we read today, we, we all heard this message before at some point, that God loves the world. God gave his son to the world. And in the end, like I said, this message is not a complicated message. But however... Um, information is not enough. Simply knowing that God loves the world is not enough. Simply knowing that the purpose of God is to give us eternal life is, is not enough. You know, I was talking about this passage with someone in, in our church, and she was telling me a very interesting thing, like, you know, she was telling me, like, why, like, God loves, the idea of God loves really does not mean for my, like, unbelieving mom. Like, why is it not compelling? Like, it seems like she, she's so thirst for, for love. Like, it seems like she's, like, really looking for something meaningful in her life. But then when I say, like, oh, God really loves you, and, and God uh, gave you his son, like, why, he, her, why my mom's response is so cynical, like, for, for this message? It's because this is, this is the dilemma for whole humanity. Like, without having that eternal life, without being born again, you cannot really respond to this truth in a right way, in a right heart. Like, isn't it, isn't it our problem? 
It's not, the, the problem is not the message is so complicated, but often the problem is that our heart is not able to respond to the message in a right way, in a right heart. And also this was the message that shook the Nicodemus. This was the truth that shook the Nicodemus, like believing in the name of Jesus and placing a personal trust in him is the foundation of this new life that God is giving us. And actually this new life enables us to respond to God's love in the right way. This new life enables us to respond to the teaching of God in the right way and in a, with the right heart. So for those who lived fairly nice life, it is shocking news. Someone like Nicodemus. Like for those who lived broken life, it is also shocking news. You know, Nicodemus was, had good social status, respected in many ways, religious, good moral standard. Yet Jesus called out him and said, you know, unless you're born again, you won't be able to experience this new life. But at the same time, if you go to the next chapter, chapter 4, Jesus meets this um, woman from Samaria who had the broken life with many men. And Jesus also called out her and exposing her life. Yet he, he talks to her, if you drink the water that I give you, you will never be thirsty again you'll be able to live a life that really loves God and be satisfied by God. So this was shocking news for someone like Nicodemus, but also at the same time, this was the shocking news for someone like a woman from Samaria. You know, it is God, the creator and owner, owner of the whole universe, offers this invitation. God gave the most precious one to us, and God gave what we need the most. And then therefore, um, accepting or rejecting this gift became beyond the matter of preference. Like rejecting this gift does not mean that you stand on the neutral ground. Like imagine, um, you know, I'm married to my wife for five years now. Like my wife cooks for me sometimes. And let's, you know, let's say my wife spent like the whole day to cook for me. And then she was preparing a special meal for me. Um, she chose the most expensive meat. Um, most expensive beef, like hanu. If you know hanu, it's really nice and expensive. And then she, she cooked this nice dinner for me. And then when I come home, I'm so hungry and then I need a food. And I see this beef steak, hanu steak, prepared for me um, with all my wife's like, effort and time spent. 
you know, rejecting this dinner, uh, like, honey, I, I think I don't want to eat this right now. <laughs> you know, rejecting this dinner is actually no, no. Like, even if you are full, <laughs> you have to accept it and you have to eat it. Because rejecting this dinner would mean rejecting my wife, all her effort and all her energy and her love for me. But you know what? This is not really good at illustration because the gift from God is not just expensive beef. He gave his son, his most precious one. And, and God didn't just spend like one day of time and energy to prepare this. No, but he actually, he, he's above time and space and, and he put the greatest wisdom and love for this mission of Jesus sending his son to the world. So it is not really good illustration. My illustration is not really good because it's not comparable. So, but like rejecting this dinner was actually rejecting my wife. Like rejecting his son Christ hey, is actually rejecting God himself who gave his most precious thing to us. So this is why, like in verse 18, like John says, like whoever does not believe is already condemned. It is, it's not because he doesn't love you. No, but his will is to save the world. But because this gift, this too precious gift, and it's, it is too necessary gift. And rejecting this gift doesn't mean that you're standing in the neutral ground. So this is what um, verse 18 says. So Gospel City, um, I think this is the final application and exhortation um, for us. Believe and receive. And the eternal life that you have, if you're in Christ, you already have it. And this is not just something for in our future when we go to heaven. But this is something is given for you today, here and now. So my final application is this, receive that life. Believe in him and receive that life every day. Every day go to our God who gives you life. And every day receive this life and live out the eternal life that God wants you to give today. Um, We're not under the sin anymore, but we are in Christ. And life controlled by our own sinful nature or sin 
is not ours anymore, but the life that is controlled by the Holy Spirit is, is ours now. Um, so I want to spend this time just to reflect on this word. And I would like to invite our um, worship team up. And I'd like to just spend some time just to pray to God and respond to uh, this word in, in the right way. Um, life that rejects the way of Christ is not suitable for us anymore because we received new life and because God wants to us to have this life. This is the life that knows God and really loves God and obey Him and rejoice in Him. And that is why as, as Moses lifted up the serpent, Jesus was lifted off on the cross. He came and lived and died on the cross. And the whole reason was for us to have that eternal life. Some of us may feel like you lived this life full of God's love once, but not anymore. Like somehow along the way you feel like you drifted away and you feel like this is not the life that you live today anymore. But, or you actually feel that you never experienced this kind of life, this kind of quality in your life, even if you're in the church a long time. If that's you, it's okay. What you need to is just come to God and ask Him, God, I feel like I never experienced this life before. Or along the way, I feel like I, I am drifted away and this quality of life, loving God and rejoicing in you is not really in me. But uh, God, I pray today, Lord, because I'm in you, I know that you will give me this life. I trust in you. I trust in the work of the Holy Spirit in me. So, Lord, I receive this life today. I receive it. So, Lord, gracious God, gracious Father, give this life to me today. So let's spend some time just to come to God and pray to Him and reflect on this word. Let's spend some time just to pray. If you've been blessed through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. Gospel City is a gospel-centered church in Seoul, South Korea, on a mission to plant Korean-speaking, healthy, gospel-centered churches. You can give by going to the website give.thegospelcity.org. Thank you for listening and subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Remember, Jesus changes everything.